Welcome, bienvenue à CYC Podcast Discussions on Child and Youth Care. I'm Wolfgang Vashon. Over the past little while, several episodes, we've spent a lot of time speaking with people in Canada. And while there are many, many fascinating people and projects to, to speak about here, there are also many, many fascinating people and projects to speak about from around the world. Um, people doing really innovative, creative, dynamic, and uh, transformative work. And today, we're going to talk about such a project. Um, I'm going to be speaking with, with three people from a project out of the UK called The Verbatim Formula. And with me today are Kismet Mayon, Dr. Sylvain Baker, and Dr. Maggie Inchley. Welcome, Kismet, Maggie, Sylvain, and thank you so much for joining me today. Hello. Thanks very much for having us. Oh, thank I'm, you. I'm excited. So maybe, uh, maybe we could start with, with Kismet. Um, and could you just introduce yourself a little bit and your connection to the verbatim formula? Hey, yeah, sure. So my name's Kismet Mayon. I'm a 25-year-old Londoner. Um, I got introduced to the verbatim formula through my work, which is the... I work for the Mayor of London under the Education and Youth team and I'm a peer outreach worker um, and we help advocate for young people within London discussing issues um, but we love using the arts and the Verbatim Formula have been an amazing organisation to work with. Awesome, thank you so much. Uh, Maggie, Sylvain, whoever would like to go next. Um, shall I? Uh, hello, I'm, I'm Maggie. Um, I'm a senior lecturer uh, in the drama department at Queen Mary University in London. Um, and I, with along with Sylvan, um, I'm the co-founder of the project and uh, leading a lot of the in investigations that we do on the verbatim formula. Nice. Thank you very much. Sylvan? Hello, I'm uh, Sylvan Baker and I am a, a lecturer in community practice and applied theatre at uh, Royal Central School of Speech and Drama in London. But I used to work at People's Palace Projects, which is an arts and social justice research centre that is based at Queen Mary University in London. Beautiful. Thank you all so, so much for, for joining me today. I'm, I, uh, I just um, learned about the verbatim formula uh, a couple months ago, and as soon as I learned about it, I was, I was super excited, and, and um, I'm quite enthusiastic to have this conversation. Could one of you start by explaining what, what is the verbatim formula, what it is that you do? Okay, I'll try. Um... So um, the verbatim formula, it's, it's, a, it's a university based practice research project um, and we, we work with um, young people who are care experienced, so they've been in foster care or in residential care um, in the UK. Um, and I, and I, you might have noticed that I said we work with young people um, doing this work. Um, the young people that we work with are very much experts in their own experience and so we we try to co-create and work in a very um 
participatory way with the young people. Um, and we use verbatim performance as our main artistic practice, although we do use other creative uh, methods as well. Um, but we chose verbatim um, theatre really as a way of listening, um, which I'm sure we'll get into later in the podcast. Um, but partly we chose it because we realised that young people who have to go into care oft often feel very unlistened to and unheard. And it's actually um, part of their legal right to be heard as they go into care and um, should be involved in decisions about their own future. Um, so when we realised that young people felt that they weren't being heard, we wanted to use an artistic practice that really is all about listening. So we chose that. Um, we've been doing our work with young people, um, sometimes in university. So sometimes we've invited groups of young people onto the university. Um, we've, we've done drama and performance using verbatim with them there. And sometimes we've, got, we've gone out into different contexts, um, not only in the university, but also into theatres, into art centres and into offices. Um, and we've taken our practices to the adults who are responsible for uh, young people's care and education and ask them to listen to the experiences, the stories that the young people have about going into care and what it feels like um, to try to get the adults to think about how they might change and uh, to take those experiences and really listen a bit better to young people and think about what they can do to, um, to provide um, better experiences for those young people. Mm. Beautiful. That's, that's, there's so much in there about the, the yeah, idea of... Yeah, go ahead. I hope, it's, I hope that's reasonably clear, Wolfgang. Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. Um, I, I, just for those people who, who don't know, I wonder, Kismet, if you could talk about what, what is verbatim and sort of uh, what, the, what the process looks like. So, you know, if I was a, a, a young person, a, a care lever or, or in care, what what would the process look like for me if I was part of the project? Essentially, um, what would happen from past experience is a focus group is held. Um, all safeguarding procedures are put in place. Um, and honest conversations are held, really. Um, and whoever is, you know, comfortable with sharing can share. And the beauty of a verbatim is the fact that you can be so honest about your own experiences, but then someone else can just say it so you don't have to take on all the heat. Mm -hmm. um, and you don't also have to relive it because from, I'm someone who's had care experience. Um, and that is actually how I got involved with the work that the Verbatim Formula do and also People's Palace projects. So it's been, it's been empowering to say the least, um, to have been a part of it, to voice my own opinions. But then also as I'm 25, and I work, you know, to advocate for young people. I've also advocated for younger people. And it's empowering to be able to share their story and their views when they're not comfortable. Um, and I think there's a, a real power in that. Mm -hmm. And so do you think of yourself as an actor, Kismet? An actor in what sense? As an actor to help forward change oh that's great <laughs> i love that answer I, I, well i was thinking <laughs> but but i but i love that idea of, of actor to create change right that that because i think that's exactly what you're doing right you're 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 working to create change you know through 
through theater. I was thinking theatrically, do you think of yourself as, as a, a theater performer, shall we say? Um, um, yeah. Yes, I've done theater productions. Um, right. along so, so I got connected through my work, the Pit Outreach team got connected with another um, organization called the Big House Theater Company that also um, assists care leavers using the arts through theater, but more so drama. Right. Um, to channel emotions or situations that you may have gone through or lived through to then actually just, you know, act it out and just release it. Um, I was part of a really great um, production that got taken to the Royal Court Theatre um, in Sloan Square and it was called Knife Edge. And it was basically just literally like explaining through a promenade theatre play um, on how care leavers can end up in the custody system very easily mm. and mm. there's a very big pipeline and you know there's so much more to it but they just end up in custody because mental health and all these various other issues that come along with being a care leaver are not understood but um the verbatim formula is a very great way of making those in power understand absolutely and how is it to to voice somebody else's story which which is it just parallels yours because of you know, there, there are going to be similarities, but yet, yet it's not your story. And, and how is that for you as a, as an, both an actor towards social change and as a, as a theater artist who is, who has this experience of, of being in care? So personally doing verbatims in the past, it's made me feel like I'm making use of my talent in that sense of being confident Sometimes I've not been so confident, depending on my life <laughs> life situation. Um, but equally, yeah, it's been really great to be able to share someone else's story to decision makers in a place like City Hall or, you know, people who have influence on what happens to care leavers. Um, and it's been quite shocking, to say the least, as well. I live in Kingston, which is a wealthy borough, and I've done verbatims for people who are in um, boroughs that are not so much as wealthy. And, you know, it is, it's really heartbreaking to just see how, how different it is and how postcode lottery is really a thing within London. Um, but yeah, I mean, mm -hmm. it's, it's definitely eye-opening for one. Um, and empowering yeah definitely it's nice it's, it's, yes, it's really interesting when you talk about actors in our practice mm. because one of the things that is part of how the process came into being and why we are uh, still using it as an intervention is that we use a particular kind of uh, verbatim performance. So verbatim is the word for word sharing of somebody else's account or testimony. And the particular angle that TVF takes on that process is a style which is known as uh, recorded delivery or headphone verbatim. What that means is that the young people working with us and uh, mentors and ambassadors, one of which Kismet is here, they sit down together and they curate what the questions are that might stimulate the 
recordings which become testimonies so they are involved in the entire process generally those questions are uh, open questions so one question i can remember that stimulated an awful lot of material for us is when we asked the young uh, care experienced co-researchers they are not the subject of the research they are helping us explore it alongside us and we asked them Tell us about a time when you felt that you weren't listened to. And that's about how deep the question got. We're not so interested in recording just uh, traumatic testimonies of care. We want to enable the speakers of testimony in the first hand, those who are interviewing each other, to feel safe and comfortable. That point that uh, Kismet talked about, that there is knowledge that somebody else will share that testimony is really important. It creates a level of anonymity, and also it creates a level of um, freedom to allow yourself to say exactly what you want to say. So what happens is someone using a device, quite often something like a smartphone, or sometimes other, uh, other machines like a digital recorder, records you answering the question. Then together, you listen to that recording and then choose uh, an element of it, normally somewhere up to about 90 seconds or two minutes, that will be shared. That element is then edited out of the uh, full interview and given to a performer. Now, this is where it gets interesting. Are you an actor? Are you a mouthpiece? Are you speaking in tongues, as it were? Because the performer hears the recording from the original testimony in a pair of headphones, so they are the only person who can hear it. And as they hear what is being said by the speaker of the testimony, they begin to relay it. So they are slightly delayed behind the testimony that they're hearing. As soon as they can hear the words, they say them. And they say them in their entirety with every verbal tick, pause, um, ah, repetition. And that's how the verbatim testimony is shared. That's a wonderful description. So I'm curious, and I keep returning to this idea of actor because I, I, I so, I'm so intrigued with what, what Kismet said or, or enamored with what Kismet said around what, what, what is meant by actor. Where, um, and, and maybe you could answer this, Maggie, where is the, the relationship between theater, research, social change, healing? Because it, it sounds to me, listening to this, that that all of these are intertwined in really profound and inextricable ways. Yes, um, absolutely. Um, and it's, I think it's something that we, we've been um, sort of mulling over all the time that we've been doing the verbatim formula, the relationship between theatre and social change. But you're, you're making, you're reminding me of um, something that was written by um, an established uh, verbatim theatre practitioner, Robin Soans, who made a lot of um, verbatim theatre in the, in the Royal Court Theatre. Um, and he talked about how 
hearing um, material that the audience know, knows is real um, elicits a kind of responsibility in the audience. So when you're listening to, to authentic, real stories that you know are true, that you know are somebody's real experiences, then you feel that extra sense of attentiveness to them. And we, we do think of our practice as a practice of care and attentiveness. Um, and we've noticed that because of that extra sense of responsibility and care and sense that you have to hold the person giving the testimony that it's special and that they they might not share this testimony with you every day um, certainly the anonymity that our practice provides allows that to happen but that testimony must be held and there's a responsibility on those people who are holding it to think of ways that they might adjust or change not just their attitudes but also how they behave um, so when we've um, been able to perform these testimonies from the young people to foster carers, to children's services managers, to social workers, we've been able then to have um, conversations and discussions, often led by the young people directly, um, which, which are really asking those adults to reflect on everyday practices that may um, make young people feel unheard or not cared for um, or even disrespected and we we have heard a lot of stories um, from young people about feelings like that um, so we found that um, when we do this in a performance space uh, it becomes possible to have the conversations and the discussions like that which might under some circumstances lead to confrontation or, or make a situation even worse actually um, in, in our space, it's much less judgmental. Um, the power dynamics are more equalized and people are facing each other openly and honestly. And I feel, I feel that we've, we've been able to give that space and time to people to think through together and then to, to go away and hopefully put some of that thinking into practice in, in their everyday jobs. Mm. So I think I've made a link there between performance mm -hmm. and actual real life uh, action. I absolutely, hope. absolutely. Kismet, what's it like to perform uh, or enact these these texts, um, or conceivably even watch your own text enacted by somebody else in in front of the you know, the same people who, who maybe not the exact same people, but the, the same people who are involved in the, the social services system? It's a hard question. <laughs> because, <laughs> um, it's, it's a mixed feeling, I'll tell you that. Um, the fact that something like this exists is amazing because the real hurdle is being heard. Mm. Um, you can shout and scream all you want, complain all you want, send emails all you want, but if people are not hearing you, that's the problem. Um, and what this project does is it allows people to be heard. Um, personally, performing someone else's, you know, piece or something, it's been difficult. Um, I won't lie, the last event I did, it got too much for me and I had to pass it on to a colleague. I couldn't actually do it, couldn't mm -hmm. perform it. Um, because internally it just 
this is a bit of a drag, um, having to repeat yourself again mm-hmm. and again, and then you're repeating someone else's words that you can resonate with. Mm-hmm. Um, but the importance of someone having that experience to then share that story can actually empower those who are in the experience. So that's what kind of keeps me going, really, mm. um, in that sense, because it's all about aspire to inspire, really. Um, mm. And you just want to empower those who feel powerless, um, because I once did until all these amazing organisations came to me and wanted to hear my story and empowered me. Mm. Um, but essentially, I just think it's I think it's quite a powerful tool. And in general, all the arts are. And I think anything that can relay a problem within an artistic form um, will be heard a lot more as opposed to a written document. Right. And so from your perspective, you you know, a headphone performance will be a, a more effective way to communicate or to be listened to than publishing a, a, an article in an academic journal or writing a thesis or, or whatever it might be. Yeah, I mean, essentially, I mean, the verbatim formula is very powerful, especially as Sylvan mentioned, every pause, every break, every um, mm, is, 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 is relayed. And that's the importance of it, because after you will then say this was actually written, this was actually an interview with a 12-year-old or, you know, and then that's when it gets shocking. I remember when we were actually in Porticola's house and Sylvan performed it and, you know, people were shocked. They're absolutely shocked. And I think the power within it is that it actually makes people feel and Mm. it makes people think Mm. because they know from what, from what is being said, it's not the person saying it, you know, Mm -hmm. Um, and it makes them question things and, that's that's where it gets better because people are questioning things and that's when we figure out the problems and, and realize solutions. Mm-hmm. When you've had your own text, and then, and then I want to ask you a question, Sylvain, about, about research. When, when you've had your own text uh, said by somebody else, um, what, how is that for you? And is it how is it different or similar to saying somebody else's text and, and carrying that emotional weight when you say someone else's text? I won't lie. I've actually not had my own text mm-hmm. um, put out there like that because I've always been quite confident to voice my opinion, but I understand mm. some are not. Um, at times I've lost that confidence, as I mentioned earlier. <laughs> I couldn't perform yeah. and I had to pass it on to a colleague. Um, but from 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 looking at the young people that we work with the fact that it's all anonymous you know i can understand how that feels because the older i've got and the more i've spoken about my story i realize sometimes it would have probably been better if it was anonymous right. um, <laughs> situations um because it does make you feel some type of way when you're reliving the same story again and again but it happened however many years ago you know absolutely um yeah but yeah that's that's that yeah so that I, there's there's two questions that are that are coming into my head um, mm-hmm. that I want to put out, and I, I suppose I'll let you let you. I'll, I'll invite you to to choose. One is you know what what makes this research as opposed to um, you know a, a good night out or, or a difficult night out or a challenging night out at the, at the theater, and the second one is picking up on what what Kismet just said that there's there's a real 
push it. Certainly I see it in, in Canada for particularly young people from the care system, you know, the, they're invited to conferences and classrooms and, 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 um, you know, asked to retell and retell and retell their story. And, and, and there's, there's a, there's a, a bit of a movement here in Canada anyways, really resisting that and saying, look, we're, we're not here for your, your conference amusement or for you to tisk tisk. And, and so I, I, I wonder how, how, how the verbatim formula navigates that, that space as well. Two very different questions. And uh, I think, I think the, the questions are related. Mm. One of the core components of applied theater as a practice is that it sometimes reveals ways of being, knowledges, if you will, that can't be accessed in any other way. And I think it's important that uh, both Maggie and Kismet have talked about feeling in uh, the verbatim formula research. Put simply, verbatim as a, a modality, a practice, a performance, element allows another who is in the audience to gain a completely different perspective on how care being in care or care experience feels mm. what does it feel like to be that person and ethically as you've already mentioned the idea of um inviting the real person to go to an academic event or an artistic event or even um, a theater event to perform a version of their own history for the delectation pleasure or experience tourism of others is uh, diametrically opposite to what the verbatim formula is about so what makes it research is on one hand, it gives the agency the ability for um, multiple voices to be taken seriously and given status by being co-researchers to the young people. And it asks very seemingly simple questions that have very nuanced answers in a, in a rich and uh, different way. Again, I was quite surprised when we first performed this practice because the audience was predominantly social work professionals who had been in the process in uh, social work for a number of years. So they had probably seen or heard at first hand uh, accounts that were far more emotionally charged than anything that we shared in testimony. However, what happened is that they exhibited um, a visceral, an emotional reaction. There was a transfer of affect. To not go into too much detail, one of the testimonies that we have is about a young person who's foster care placement has broken down and unfortunately that decision has been made and she is the last one to know about it 
And in the sharing of that account, she talks about coming uh, back to the foster care placement and passing a vehicle and going up to what is ostensibly her bedroom to only to discover that there is a police officer and a number of social workers and a foster carer there. And it's only in that moment that she realizes she is moving. And in articulating that moment, she said something offhand. And what she said was, and they packed up my things. They packed up my dirty laundry and everything. And I was moving. And when that uh, testimony was first shared, the audience of, of veteran social workers, when they heard the dirty laundry comment, they visibly recoiled. Some gasped, some put their hands over their faces. And when we asked them, because we could see those responses, after the performance, the next element of the verbatim formula is we invite the audience who have heard testimonies to make new testimonies, which are in response to what they've heard. Mm. When we asked them, why did you do that? What happened? They said, for a moment, in not so many words, for a moment, we were in a space to think about what would it be like to have that kind of personal violation, to have people going through your private things and you to have no knowledge, want to have no knowledge of it. And that's when we realized there were other dynamics to the process. So the research is both what happens when you give ethically give an invitation to a young person to not share their uh, life experience as a piece of sensationalism, but to use consciously use a performance practice instrumentally as a provocation for more dialogue. Maggie mentioned that, that this, at the core of the verbatim formula is listening. And then the next stage that happens after the listening is talking. And the talking is in a space where blame is kind of sidelined because the sharing of the effective testimony makes everybody have the opportunity to think about what it would be like to be a person in that situation. And the other component of the research is, if you are a policymaker, an opinion former, or a social worker, and you are in the space where you can, for a moment, empathize in the strongest degree with what it would be like to someone who has a care experience, and who has experienced negativity, been ignored, uh, not had their wishes taken on board, suddenly it activates you to think about what can you do from your respective position? It's something that we call active agency. What can you do from your respective position to improve that? Mm. It might be a Royal Commission, or it might be, as one social worker responded after hearing a testimony, they said, having heard how it feels to be a number as a care experienced person, I will make sure that I turn my mobile phone off when I'm talking to a young person so I can be fully present. And that for me is a, a research outcome that is useful and beneficial. Absolutely, that, that's so well um, 
well said, right? That, that, that this idea that research leads to something, right? This, this idea of active agency, you know, one of the one of the questions that I have is, you know, what what is the takeaway? So for those of so the people who are listening to this conversation that we're having right now, most people who listen to this this podcast are, are practitioners, students, educators. What's the takeaway um, based upon your research? What what do we need to hear? What do we need to listen to uh, in our own practices? I think there are a variety of takeaways. Maggie, what do you think? I was going to ask you, Sylvan, but I think this. I think it's hard to um, just put it in a, in a nutshell. Like, but um, I think one of the things that could be an, a sort of takeaway is um, a concept that we've that we've borrowed from a sociologist called Akujo Imajulo, who talks about acts of careful solidarity. And I think that our practice with does bring together in this act of listening and honouring a person's experience. It, it's a kind of act of careful solidarity, of listening and being together. Um, and that act in itself, that event in itself is an act of care. And that is achieved through performance and creative arts and um, not, not just the testimonies, but the young people being empowered through the, the performance and their other arts that they bring um, and how very, very important that is. And I think Kismet's been making that point really that using creative practices um, can, be, can be empowering experiences which enable young people to represent themselves and take the space and to build solidarity um, between um, different stakeholders, if you like, that might that might normally be pitted against each other in this system that we have where everything's bureaucratic and transactional, but to actually build those moments where affect and emotion can be more important um, and, and exist between people and bring them together and to help them to understand each other. That wasn't a big, a very takeaway moment, I'm afraid. <laughs> well, I, I mean, I think the idea of, of you know, Sylvan's story of the the affective response of the the listeners of the social workers who perhaps never allowed themselves to feel that, um, and I think it's a profound response, right? And I and I I would echo what what. All, all three of you have said multiple times about the, about the place of emotion and feeling. And, and I think that the, the social service system is set up to disconnect so many of us from, from emotions and feelings. And so to create a space where we can listen not only with our ears, but with our whole being, um, I think that, that that is a profound. Yeah, gives, gives, sorry, go ahead, Sylvain. I would completely agree. I would absolutely agree. I think the the takeaways, if there are any, vary depending on your relationship to the research. Mm. Actually, for some of the young people who have care experience, when they've gone and performed others' testimony, other people's testimonies, and they've received an incredible response from the audience, they themselves are somewhat surprised. And that may be because they have had to recount similar testimonies from their own lives 
over and over again when they've changed social workers <laughs> or when they've been at committees or whatever. So there's that. But actually, their takeaway might be that in that moment, a group of people uh, respects what they say, takes them seriously, listens to their opinions, and actually does what they ask. And that might seem simple, but for young people who may not always have those offers open to them, that might be a big thing. Yeah, I, I mean, I, I just got chills as you were saying that, thinking of all the young people who have said over and over and over and over and over again, you know, uh, requesting, demanding, crying, pleading, and not have it listened to, to finally be, finally be heard. Um, albeit not their exact story, but, you know, to have their, their, the words that they're saying, somebody else's story, actually have people stop and listen and emotionally um, connect. I, 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 I can imagine what that, how profound it, that will be. It's, it's, it is empowering and it's an amazing thing to see people actually hear um, and then converse about everything that they've heard in an honest way, um, using empathy, using understanding. And in regards to takeaways, Sylvan, do you remember leaving Care Week? God knows how many years ago. Um, one of the best things I think we did is we created a tree and we made all the social workers and all the people that came along to make a pledge and put it on the tree. And basically make a pledge to their line of work, the young people they work with, even the young people, because being a young person, being in that environment, being able to partake in something um, on, on a scale of that event, uh, it made me realise, you know, that social workers don't have it that easy either. You know, they are, they've been given caseload on caseload, which is why sometimes we can feel like a number. Um, and you've got to remember they're just people too. And I think that's something that I've definitely taken away and, you know, learned, learned a lot more on. And I think the way that we created this tree and after this, you know, massive performance that Sylvan helped direct, it was just, it was so amazing to see all these people, you know, make such great promises. And I pray to God that they kept to them. But, you know, that, that's something that people can do you know on a daily just make a promise to yourself to society on how you're going to help um help society and help society move forward absolutely yeah, I, think, I think that uh, on a material level one of the things that is sort of a, a hidden curriculum outcome of the of the research uh in, in that it is slightly harder to discern is that we want our co-researchers, ourselves, to be able to articulate a story of care experience which challenges some of the stigmatic histories that sit with care. Mm -hmm. One of the things that um, we sometimes share with participants is that um, the adults, myself included, I, I'm a care leaver, um, have a care experience. What's interesting is when you sit with a group of young people and say, yeah, I'm a care leaver, but I'm also a lecturer at a university and I have a PhD. So this mm -hmm. rationale that says care leads to the kind of traumatic pipelines, the traumatic pi pipelines that Kismet's already 
uh, alluded to around criminal justice may not necessarily be the case. Yeah, I completely agree. From when you came and spoke to us, which was years ago, and I was a little bit like, little bit younger, um, it was just empowering to hear the fact that you were also a care leaver and to see your position. Um, because there's a lot of stigma around care leavers not being able to succeed or not being able to get far in life. Um, and it is a hurdle and it, it, we have to work twice as hard, maybe three times. Um, but to see people in that position and move forward from that position, um, as in being a care leaver and then not becoming a care leaver and becoming something amazing, like a doctor, <laughs> um, is so empowering. And it makes you realise that sometimes you are your own limitation and sometimes these labels mean nothing. Um, but yeah, that's all I wanted to add. Thank you. Thank you all so much. This, I, I have so adored this conversation. I'm, I'm, I'm so excited about the work that you're doing. Um, I, I wish I was in the UK and we weren't immersed in COVID and I could come and watch your performances and sit in on your workshops some other day, some other day. Yeah. Um, after uh, COVID. <laughs> after post-COVID, post-COVID, post a little post-COVID visit. Absolutely. Um, I, I invite anybody who's listening to to do a, a search on the verbatim formula. There's lots of information. Um, there's some wonderful uh, articles that have been read. I will also post a link in the in the show notes uh, to the to the website and some um, some articles and some some resources. Uh, is there anything that you want to say in our, our last minute or two right before we we close up that we that I missed? I'd just like to invite, I was going to invite Maggie to talk about, I just wanted to invite you to talk about one of the things that inspired me through the process, which is um, the polyphony of voices that this process allows. Um, well, yeah, I mean, I, I sort of, when we were starting off the project in 2015, I think it was, um, I suppose when we started listening to the young people and um, we, we heard some of the things that they were saying about their experiences, um, I think I, I thought that it was important to listen to social workers and foster carers and um, so, that, so that we we put those voices into dialogue and I think that is really, really important as Kimmet has said, um, you know, you, could, you, you learn about other people who are in a position of authority over you but as people rather than just thinking about that that authority and I remember talking to interviewing one foster carer in particular who uh, was describing how she listened to to the young man that she that she was fostering and she said that she just listened with her eyes and took him in and um, was sensitive to him. They ne didn't necessarily say anything actually, but she was sort of listening with her whole body kind of somatically. Um, and that really, really stayed with me the whole time and really inspired the way I thought about the project as being about listening, but about listening being about your whole body um, and being in tune with young people and sensitive to them on in that, embodied mode um, and felt like I learned so much from that foster carer and just to finally say that I think that um, um, that our project is about paying tribute to the amazing work that does go on in the care system and that 
that foster carers and social workers do do. Um, and that's been an inspiration for us um, as much as anything else. Um, so, so yes, having that um, polyphony of voices is, has been extraordinarily important. Yeah, that's beautifully said that, you know, and I, I, you know, it seems to be the, 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 the theme of this conversation is this whole listening somatic experience. Um, and I, and I, you know, I, I agree with Kismet as, as somebody who works in the social services. Yeah. You know, we, my colleagues, myself were, were overworked, were overburdened, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. And, and sometimes we forget to listen and sometimes we don't allow ourselves to feel and it has profound repercussions. And so, mm -hmm. you know, the, the work that you're doing, you know, invites us, perhaps even forces us to stop, listen and feel. Um, mm. I, I can think of no, no greater gift and call to, to responsibility for, for those of us who work in this work, the field. So thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you so, so much. I, I encourage everyone, if you're, if you're in the, if the London area, the UK area, and, and they're, they're performing again, please, please check them out. Otherwise, uh, look at their, their resources. And uh, Kismet, Maggie, Sylvain, um, wonderful work. Thank you for your time today. And I'm really grateful for, for what you're doing. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you.